It's time for ROTD Weekend. Two things made me extremely happy when I turned on my computer today, or rather opened my web browser. The first was that our Recipe of the Day Facebook group has over 800 members. I had not realized. I know I send out those like welcome to new member messages every few days when there are new members, but I hadn't actually gone and looked at the total and seen how many there are. So that is super exciting. I'm very, very happy that so many of you are there. If you're not there, you absolutely are welcome to join right now. Head to facebook.com slash groups slash recipe OTD, and that'll take you right there. And then you can join the group. And I post the links to the recipes that I talk about. Every recipe of the day gets posted in there and you can ask questions or see what other people are saying. If you make the recipe, you can post a picture. All of that happens there. So that was the first thing that made me happy. The second thing that made me happy was I was on the food and wine website and saw that they have a new article predicting some food trends for 2024. The first set of trends is about having like tropical themed vacation style things, pineapple mocktails, pineapple upside down cake, something called the coconut aesthetic has seen a 35% rise in searches. I have not searched. I don't know what it is. And then also things like Hawaiian sheet pan chicken. So there's definitely some kind of trend that's been happening that's going to continue about these kinds of like tropical things, which, you know, that sounds tasty. It's not making me super excited. What made me excited is that they are predicting that melty mashups are a mover and shaker for 2024. That is where a recipe combines two ooey gooey cheesy favorites in one dish. Things like burger quesadillas, carbonara ramen, cheeseburger tacos. And you know me, I mean, my actual company name is More Cheese Please Productions, LLC, and it is because I love cheese so much. So the idea of taking two of my favorite melty cheesy foods and smooshing them together has me extremely excited. And so I think we're going to do a mashup of our own right now. And I don't mean coming up with a mashup dish. I mean, we're going to mash up the two things that made me excited this morning the discovery that the Facebook group is growing and the discovery that melty mashups are a thing. And we're going to mash those up together. And I am posting in the Facebook group right now asking for your best melty mashup ideas. And I'm going to choose one of them and make it. So here's what you do. Head over to the recipe of the day Facebook group. If you are listening to this on December 16th or the couple of days after that, that's when it's going live. Go in there, look for my post about the melty mashups and tell me your idea. And then I'm going to choose one and make it. I am so excited to do a mashup of the mashup. You know what I mean? I am also very, very excited about today's guest. We have somebody who's been on this show before that I adore. Today, I am talking with Emily Parrish. Last time she was a guest on our show, she was talking about fermenting because she has a wonderful website called fermentingforfoodies.com. And she also has an award-winning cookbook. It's won awards. It's been shortlisted for awards. That is Fermenting Made Simple. So we chatted about that, but it turned 
turns out that Emily has another website, berriesandbarnacles.com, and she's also a columnist in a couple of parenting magazines. And a lot of the focus of that is about food literacy and trying to get kids cooking, get us as parents to bring the kids into the kitchen, grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends of the family, anybody bring kids cooking. And so she is on today talking about food literacy and helping me get my kids into the kitchen. And she is sharing a very special surprise recipe of the day with us. I cannot wait for you to hear about this. Let's listen. Welcome back. Hi, nice to see you again. It's or great to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, true enough. It's it's really great to talk to you again. And last time we talked, we were talking about your award-winning cookbook, Fermenting Made Simple, and about fermenting and how people can do it easily. But you have a whole other area of passion that you wanted to bring to the table today. Can you tell me about that? I am a big proponent of food literacy is, is what it's known as in the circles where it's a deal. And it's the idea that people need to understand how to cook, where their food comes from, how food choices impact their health and the environment and farmers' well-being. It's something that we used to teach our children and isn't mm -hmm. taught so much anymore. I really got into it in 2016. I was hired by a local food nonprofit to look into food literacy rates in our region. And as part of that project, I looked at all the community kitchens and what resources were out there for teaching people how to cook, what the school curriculum looked like. I worked in um, food banks because often food bank users have poor food literacy, in part because they don't necessarily live somewhere where they have a good kitchen and have the necessary tools. But the food bank gets things like beets donated. But if you don't have the ability to cook those, what can you do? So mm -hmm. we ran some programs in the food bank to help people convert the produce that was coming from farms. The nonprofit I worked for did sort of a picking project. So farms often sell 50,000 heads of lettuce, but they'll grow more. And so many times those are just left to rot in the field. This nonprofit has volunteer pickers go out, pick it so it can go to the food bank. Often it's not the lettuce that they're getting, it's the beets and right. more difficult to um, process foods. So mm -hmm. I was hired as part of that. And that's really what kick-started my interest in food literacy. I was surprised by just generally how poor young adults are at knowing how to have basic knife skills or cook a soup from scratch, cook a muffin from scratch. Mm -hmm. They these are just not skills that they have anymore. So as part of that passion, I ended up getting two parenting magazines where I'm their food columnist. And the goal of those columns is to get people into the kitchen with their children. And I have more of a personal website, Berries and Barnacles, which covers whatever I'm thinking about. But because food literacy is one of my passions, it has quite a few recipes that are designed for families to cook together or for teens to cook or on their own, depending on the age of the kid. And I often talk through what kids of different ages can do. 
There's so much about this that I love. Um, first, I, I, I want to talk about like my own household with you a little bit, but I want like what struck me as you were talking was something that I've noticed many times and have no thoughts on really. We don't have home economics here the way that like I had it in seventh grade, eighth grade. We definitely did cooking. Some people did sewing. I was for some reason in some woodworking class. I'm not sure how that fit in, but there were def- everybody had to do the cooking class. And I was somebody who had grown up in a very vibrant, cooking kitchen with my mom and my grandparents. And I was watching them all the time and I was cooking with them. But I learned a ton of the actual like reading recipe, learning about I don't know, more things that, and, and also, you know, when, when you're, you're a young teenager, sometimes there's combativeness with, with the parents and this was a teacher. And so it's just like a different stance. Is home ec kind of going away all over the place or was that, is that just something here in Florida? I know you're not in Florida. You're in British Columbia, but do you know what I mean? Yes. So. As we sort of prioritize turning everybody into little computer programmers, basically, like we prioritize mathematics literacy. I think these sorts of what we would call secondary educational things like music, art, um, home economics, these skills are seen as exploratory adventures. That's how my daughter's school calls them. They're exploratories. She gets one two-month stint of home economics. That's it. Or like cooking Mm -hmm. her entire middle school career. And they've made nachos and they brewed tea. And that to me is not sufficient. (laughs) No, no. Um, So, I mean, education system changes possibly, but we have to be making sure that we're getting into the kitchen with our kids at home. And you and I spoke about this very briefly before we started recording, but I'm just going to re-say this. (laughs) I don't cook with my kids very much. We bake together a little bit, but I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a single, a single parent when, well, I have them every second week, but I'm a single parent when they're here. It's a really hectic work day. And then I pick them up. We do extracurriculars. We're going, I'm helping with homework. And I find that time in the kitchen is like my time. I put my podcast on and I can like relax a little bit in there, which, you know, it's strange that I'm still like working, but that's like my hobby relaxation time, but that's what it is. And I know that I need to start bringing them in there, but I'm resisting and maybe not sure. The the couple times that I've tried like come cook dinner with me kind of stuff, it's become overwhelming and stressful for them and me. So I think I need help knowing where to start and how much to be doing. Do you have starting points for me? Sure. So your kids are 12 and 15. Yes. Which I will say is a little bit hard in terms of I have a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I understand that 15-year-olds are hard to move in new directions (laughs) if they're not doing it on their own. So probably I would say for most people, the time to get started is when they're little and it just becomes part of what you do. Mm-hmm. But with the older kids, I will say my 15-year-old cooks dinner on his own now. And he's been cooking with me for a long time. However, I, I'm sure that the recipe I'm going to share with you today, your 15-year-old can do on their own as well. And I think that's a key part of this. So my 15-year-old absolutely gets grumpy if he's asked to help me in the kitchen. He does not want me taking over. He wants to do it himself. Mm. So I let go of my fear of failure. And I let him pick a recipe. The deal is that we talk about it together. So we go through it. I make sure he knows where all the ingredients are. I can 
tell him which steps are difficult. And so he can come get me if he's not sure whether the eggs are foamed enough or, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's things that, that unless you are taught, you don't know what it looks like. How do you mm-hmm. know when the oil is hot enough to sear something, right, you know? Right, right. So I look at his recipes and we go through the bits that he needs and I tell him when to call me. I work from home. I'm a full-time food writer. So he just often rudely calls down the hall <laughs> instead of, you know, being polite, but he's 15. Yes. And so with my 10-year-old, I have her help me cook two days a week. So she picks a recipe because I think that's pretty key into kids having Mm -hmm. buy-in. And then we talk about the parts of it and she gets to choose which parts she wants to do. Sometimes I'll try and push her, but usually the part she doesn't want to do is washing lettuce or something like that. Like she isn't into fiddly things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but she's absolutely fine with chopping and dicing at this point. So, and then, so your so your son is cooking the whole like dinner for the family himself. Mm -hmm. One night a week. Mm -hmm. One night a week. And then your daughter's helping with a recipe. Is it like the full dinner recipe she's helping with or is she like making the side dish? It can be like she could make the salad on her own. She's never in the kitchen on her own. Like I'm always there. We're cooking together. She's a lot more extroverted. For her, I think she likes it because she likes my attention, my time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we we talk about things and yeah, do parts of it together. Sometimes if we're if she chose a soup, she'll chop the mushrooms, you know, while I ch- am next to her chopping the garlic and onions. Yeah. Okay. So you're working together to build the dinner sort of with her and then your son is doing it on his own. So that's partially personality, partially age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my son always like was fine to be in the kitchen with me, but I think my daughter probably will never let go of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just knowing her personality. Yeah. 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 My, 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 so my daughter's the younger and she, she does, she bakes, she's actually quite a good baker. She makes a really great jelly roll, you know, where you, you put the jam mm-hmm. in the middle and roll the cake up and ice it and everything. She's good at that kind of thing. Um, she is like your daughter though. She likes me to be there, even if I'm not doing it quite often. Actually, she wants to do it herself. And I'm kind of standing nearby, like washing the odd dish or something because she wants to do it, but she likes to have me there. And you're right. I think my son would probably prefer that I not be there. Do you have other tips or ideas for getting them excited about it? Choosing their own recipes for sure. What else is a good idea? I think starting as young as possible. So a lot of what I write about is start when they're babies, stick them in the hay chair, have them be there with you. Um, Depending on where they're at with their solids, you could give them little peas to play with while you are cooking or just little Mm -hmm. bits of whatever you're preparing. Mm -hmm. I gave my kids sheets of seaweed a lot because they like to rip it up and play with it when they were little. Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, I think I started having one of them in the kitchen with me for every meal probably starting when they were around five, like four or five, and they can do things like you can get a kid with a butter knife to chop a mushroom or baking great cheese. You know, mm-hmm. every kid is different and in, into what their fine motor control skills are like. But mm-hmm. I think starting early is part of it. So it's just always part of our expectations. Yes, my son being so much older, he actually didn't start until later. Basically, the food literacy project I worked on 
my daughter was about four at the time. And it wasn't that that really that got me started. But it was the two kids complaining about being bored. Well, I am like juggling work, (laughs) juggling my like recipe writing, juggling cooking dinner and doing all the chores. And they're like literally just sitting there staring at the ceiling, complaining about how there's nothing they want to watch on Netflix. And I was just like, this is nuts. (laughs) I am so busy. Um, And that's when I'm like, one of you guys can help me. And I knew it would be trouble in the beginning. Like I knew it would be more work to have one of them in Mm -hmm. the kitchen, Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't be bored. And it doesn't take long for kids to get skills. You know, you, you also will learn what they can do. Actually, my daughter used to love washing lettuce. Like I would sit her at the sink with all the vegetables in the water and she would just like play washing the vegetables. And I'm like, that's great. That's keeping you busy. And I don't have to do that. That's like, yeah, my kids loved water. They would have loved that for sure. They might Mm -hmm. still enjoy that. So, (laughs) so you're, uh, I know you're going to share a recipe with me in a second. I'm wondering though, okay, so for, for my children who are a little bit on the older side to be starting with the like cooking dinner or whatever, does it make sense to have them do the same recipe like a few weeks in a row? Like you're one day you're making this and then they feel comfortable with that? Or should there be more variety and they're going to sort of be a little bit uncomfortable every time, but adapting? What do you think is the best strategy there? I think I would always let them pick. So if they have something that they really love, like nachos is actually one that my kids make. That's why my daughter was kind of making fun of it at school because (laughs) it is so easy. You just chop up whatever you want on the nachos and then you make it, right? You put put it on your chips and you put on cheese and you're done. So I think they'll choose what they like, like let them choose. I would use it as an opportunity to talk about how you need to eat from all the food groups, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because often kids will be like, I'm just going to have the burrito. And you're like, well, what vegetables can we add to the burrito? (laughs) You know? And it's totally fair if you want to use like shortcut food, like frozen burritos, but they can still prepare the dinner. Like there's more to be done. You need to add the vegetables. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. that opportunity Mm -hmm. as well. So I think letting them pick their own meals. What I did is actually, I am maybe a bit organized like this, but I created a spreadsheet of food that they like so that they can even go back there and like look it up you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds good. Yeah, because my mind can't even if I say, what should we have for dinner this week? They just blankly stare at me and I have to start naming things to get them. Oh, no, no, I don't like that. Actually, I'm like, I didn't know you didn't like that. Okay, what should we have instead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the blank stares, the spreadsheet would be very helpful for that. Okay, so you have brought today a recipe to tell me how to make explain to me how to make that you think my 15 year old would be able to make himself. I am sure of it. Yes. Well, tell me, what is it? (laughs) Okay. So this is a recipe that my family made in the 80s. So part of my interest in cooking is that pretty much everybody in my family has food allergies and they're all different, which is so fun. She said with Tons of sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that those food allergies extend to my sister and my mom and just everyone. When I went to the allergist with my son <laughs> the mm-hmm. first time, I was like going through the list of all the things we were allergic to. And the allergist stopped me and said, you know what? It's actually the tendency to have allergies in your family that matters more. You don't necessarily inherit the thing you're allergic to. And I'm like, that makes sense because none of us are allergic to the same thing. <laughs> so this is pizza pasta. That's what we call it. And it was 
our substitution for pizza because my mom in the late 90s was gluten-free. My daughter, my sorry, my sister had a dairy allergy. Like pizza was not something we were going to have. So that's what this is. And, and it is super simple. So I wrote it up on my website as a thing you do cook with kids. And if you're on Berries and Barnacles, you'll see my daughter chopping up peppers and getting this dish ready. So I think she was about nine at the time that I took the photo of her in this recipe. So basically, you need to boil up a box of pasta, which may be the biggest challenge for your older right. kid if they've never cooked pasta. So that would be the thing I'd talk to them about. Like, mm-hmm. what does pasta look like when it's done? My 15-year-old just reads the box and puts the timer on, and that is perfectly fine. Like, mm-hmm. I get that the fiddliness of like, is it al dente, you know, <laughs> might not be for them. Fair and then enough. you take a basic tomato sauce, which it's totally fine to use canned tomato sauce or jarred tomato sauce for this. Mm-hmm. And you cook the pasta, you toss it in tomato sauce with, um, do you want me to give you the exact amounts? Yeah, go for it. I think people can go to your website to get it too, but it it helps to kind of visualize. So like a box of pasta, you toss the pasta with two tablespoons of olive oil and two cups of pasta sauce. So it's nicely coated. Mm -hmm. And then you decorate it with your favorite pizza toppings. And this is where the kids get to practice their knife skills. So it can be, my son loves olives. We like pepperoni. I am like, which vegetables? We're going to add some vegetables. So it's always got some peppers or mushrooms or something. And then you can sprinkle on some salt, give it a taste because you want to make sure it's salty enough. It probably will be given that pasta sauce will have some salt Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. often pizza toppings are a bit salty. Mm -hmm. But if you need to, you can sprinkle on a little salt. And so that's teaching them about how to tell if it's salty enough. And then you coat the thing with grated cheese and you pop it in the oven and bake it for five to seven minutes until the cheese is nicely melted. And it's like a pasta casserole. Okay. Okay. It's, it sounds amazing. I just, so is this the pasta you've tossed it with tomato sauce and then you're putting it on like a baking sheet or in a casserole dish? Oh, sorry. It? In a casserole. Yes. In like a, a nine dish. by 13 yeah. kind of casserole dish? Exactly. Oh, okay. I used an eight by 10. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's in there. And so it's fairly thick of pasta and sauce before the toppings and cheese go on top yeah mm-hmm. yes oh i like it that, that they're not having to actually cook a pasta sauce they're just yes yeah mixing the noodles with the sauce the sauce is cold like room temperature from the can yep hmm. i mean the pasta will be warm and then it is baking for like five minutes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it totally will heat through in that time and then you're and then you're and your toppings are all raw but they're getting like the the way that mm-hmm. peppers get from being mm-hmm. in the oven on a pizza. I, I love this idea. I think I've done a like pizza pasta and a pizza soup kind of thing before, but it's all like still making the whole sauce in the skillet and browning things and all of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is much, much simpler and probably looks a little bit like pizza. Yeah. You, I mean, you can make it look like pizza. Actually, if you used, when you said the nine by 13, I was like, if you used a nine by 13, it would be a lot more pizza like because the pasta would be thinner and in the pan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love this idea. Thank you so much, Emily. 
Yeah, no worries. And I am going to maybe I don't I'm not really a big like New Year's resolution kind of person. <laughs> I feel like that's the surest way to make me not do something. But what's I, uh, what's been happening on this this podcast actually has been kind of it's become like my accountability partner. It seems that if I say something out loud on this show, <laughs> I'm more likely to do it. Uh, so so maybe I should say that I'm going to make I'm going to have my son make this and we're going to start cooking a little bit more, I think. Yeah. So I have a few other recipes that we use a lot. Pureed soups are really good for teens because they don't like the fiddly dicing that's required with other soups. But Mm -hmm. with a pureed soup, you can not be too great at your dicing. You Mm -hmm. just puree it at the end. Everything goes in the pot. So those are really good. Sheet pan dinners are really teen friendly. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great idea. They Anything that doesn't require you to stand near the stove for an extended period of time. Like, I find that the kids just want to prep it and then they're like gone. You know, they don't want to have to sit there and watch the sauteed vegetables. Stir fries are harder because, you know, you have to have patience, which is not in long supply. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. And I actually, you know, that it's an interesting way to think about it. There are days when I'm pressed for time, when I find myself more standing at the stove, because I, you know, you can cook quickly at the stove, right? Mm -hmm. And get dinner quick. But if I'm like, it's been a long, stressful day, and I just want like that set it and forget it kind of thing, put it on a pan, put it in the oven, and then that frees up your energy for Mm -hmm. other things, they're probably going to like those kinds of things. So if I think about the things that I like to make when I'm like stressed out, have time, but don't want to be in the kitchen, that's going to be the things that they're going to want to make, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mainly because, I mean, it sounds like your daughter who likes to make the jelly rolls, Mm -hmm. which has multiple steps. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe she likes to make them because she likes to eat them. But if it was a meal she enjoyed eating, she may be more into it. I just find my 15-year-old cooks because he has to, not because he's got a passion for it. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fast in and out is his way to be. (laughs) Yeah, no, that sounds great. I'm I'm definitely, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and resisting for a variety of I don't want to give up my time. But I, I think I think that I think you're probably right that if I let them do it a little bit, they're going to get very good at it very quickly. And then it will actually be even more relaxing to my life. Not not that this is for me, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they'll have the skills. I, I don't know what your 20s were like. It sounds like you had a lot of good cooking background, but I didn't really. My mm-hmm. my parents both worked full time. And my mom had me do some cooking, but mm-hmm. I really didn't. So I like lived off of the noodle pack, like instant noodle packages yeah, for like yeah. a really long time. I don't think I learned to cook until I had kids and was like, okay. <laughs> I think, you know, this this is like a whole other conversation. I did have a lot of cooking experience, but it was very like guided, like, hey, when you get home, can you do that? Or like working in their restaurants, like it was, I don't know, I was cooking a lot. When I actually went and lived on my own, I found it actually, it, it, there was a, a steep learning curve. I followed a lot of recipes. I, I didn't know how to, maybe it was like plan the meals, grocery shop for them, fit them in properly. There was there was a lot that took a long time. and But I think more like I did have the skills. I just didn't know how to use them. And so I need to make sure they at least have the skills so they're at my starting point and not, well, you got there eventually, but that, that will be a huge help to them, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, Emily, this has been so great. And I do really like appreciate that it is going to make me do a thing that I've been wanting to do for a while and I've been avoiding. So that's really helpful. Thank you so much. Can you let people know where they can find you online if they want to learn more, see what you're up to, learn more about cooking for their children and having their children cook with them? Where should they go? Sure. I have a personal blog, berriesandbarnacles.com, which covers kind of whatever I feel like posting about in my West Coast lifestyle. So it does have a whole food component, but it also talks about like our cottage that we're building and Mm. gardening and whatever we're up to. It's not like here's our dinner. It's still, you know, information, but it's just sort of whatever I'm passionate about. And I have Fermenting for Foodies, which has a bunch of healthy recipes. It does like no sugar baking, which is a big thing right now where we are because our sugar refinery is the workers are on strike. So there's no sugar in the stores. So I'm like, yay, try making it with bananas instead. Um, Uh. So it has that. It has like sort of gut healthy recipes that are like higher in fiber Mm. or, you know, made to feed your microbiome. And it has fermentation, of course. And then, as you mentioned, I have a cookbook called Fermenting Mates Simple, which won and was shortlisted for a few awards. So that's been really fun as well. And that, again, is kind of from my food literacy standpoint, because I think, as I probably mentioned the last time we chatted, fermenting has this sort of, it seems super complicated, but it's in fact probably easier than making pizza pasta, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, so simple. And I really feel like anybody can do it. You don't have to be like a hardcore experimental cook to ferment. That is all wonderful. I will make sure that all these links are in the show notes for everyone, as well as the link to the pizza pasta recipe. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you. I told you, such a great surprise recipe, such a great guest. Thank you, Emily. I love that idea and all the information about ways to get my teenager kids into the kitchen with me. I am going to be working on that, and I'm going to start with that pizza pasta. As to what is going on in my cooking world right now, well, I mentioned this the other day in one of the Recipe of the Day episodes, but I'm going to say it again now. This is a time of year when a lot of podcasters take a little break. Well-deserved, absolutely, I get it, but that means that if you are a podcast addict like me, your podcast feed really dwindles down to almost nothing and there is nothing good to listen to. I am not doing that to you. I'm coming to you every single day, twice on Saturdays, with an episode of Recipe of the Day, so you will have plenty of things to listen to while you're cooking and wrapping presents and doing all that good stuff. And super excitingly, I have a very special guest next week. On the weekend edition of Recipe of the Day, I am talking to celebrity chef Joel Gamron from Homemade Live, the PBS show. He is heating up the airwaves. It is an exciting conversation. You have got to come listen. That's on December 23rd. 
on the weekend edition of Recipe of the Day, and he is bringing us a surprise recipe of the day. And if I know Joel, I know it's going to be amazing. So definitely plan to listen to that and know that I'm going to be here all through this season. And so if you have friends, family, neighbors, anybody who listens to podcasts normally, who you know might be going through the little bit of podcast withdrawal that can happen this time of year, let them know that my show is going strong so that they will tune in. Now, as to what is going on in my kitchen and on my websites, the kitchen has died down. I'm not taking a podcasting break, but Jennifer and I have taken a break from our cooking days just because there's so much other cooking going on and things are pretty crazy. So we're not cooking anything new, but that doesn't mean that there isn't stuff going on. This week, the egg gravy recipe is going live on Cook the Story. This is that southern egg gravy. I know I told you about it. When I posted the bacon gravy recipe on TikTok that went viral, that one's at 1.5 million views right now, by the way. But I posted that and a whole bunch of people in the comments were like, what about egg gravy? And I was like, egg gravy? What is egg gravy? So some research had to happen and I found out a lot about it. And there's actually two different ways to make it. And I have made them both. And I will probably be telling you about that on this show soon. Ah, oh, yes, I just looked. It's coming up on Friday, but you can also go and see the recipe as of December 18th. It's going to be on cookthestory.com. So definitely go check that out. And then I know I'm not really doing like holiday stuff on the sites right now. We kind of did a lot of our holiday recipe lead up leading up to the holiday season. And now it is all there and ready for you. I will link to our Christmas recipe category on Cook the Story. So you can go and find that. There is all kinds of roast gravies, appetizers, side dishes, everything that you need for a wonderful holiday dinner is there for sure. But that is not what is new going on. Like I said, the egg gravy is what's going up. Oh, if you're having people over and staying with you and you need a breakfast idea, that is going to work beautifully there. You're not going to believe it. It is so freaking delicious. Okay. And then also on the cookful this week, like I said, not holiday inspired, but a fajita marinade recipe is going up on the cookful. This is, oh my God, you guys. So you know how I talk about that turkey brine recipe where you actually put these raw ingredients, onions, garlic, herbs with the salt and the water into the food processor and blend it up into like a crazy flavor slurry. And then you put your turkey or your chicken breast or your pork tenderloin or whatever into there. And the flavor just like permeates the meat like in a crazy way. I have adapted that for fajita beef strips or chicken beef strips. You basically slice the meat into the strips or you buy them already sliced and then it goes into this mixture and it's pureed together onions, garlic, cilantro, jalapeno, lime juice, lime zest, the water, and then the salt. So it's kind of both marinade and brine at the same time. And they are like just the best beef strips I've ever had in my life, hands down. I fried those up and I was like, oh, I wonder how this is going to be. And I just could not stop eating them. So that recipe is going up live on the cookful this week. If you need something to make between now and the holidays that is not holiday themed, I highly recommend that one. So that is what is new on the site and what's coming up on the show. I already told you about Chef Joel coming up next Saturday 
And then on the daily episodes every morning, I'm bringing you another delicious recipe to inspire you, help you make those decisions. What should I make today? What should I do for that potluck? All of that, that is being chosen for you. All you need to do is tune in and listen. I'm going to be telling you how to make homemade breakfast sausage patties. I'm going to be talking about some Buckeyes, which are like a chocolate covered peanut butter treat, that egg gravy I told you about. Oh, and there is a pumpkin pie trifle coming up in your future that is so killer. You're going to love this so much. So, so much going on every single day. If you want to get all the episodes, see all the links to all the recipes that I talk about, head to cookthestory.com slash ROTD. And don't forget to join that Facebook group, the Recipe of the Day Facebook group, and go and look for my mashup post and tell me what ooey gooey cheesy mashup you want me to try. That Facebook group is at facebook.com slash groups slash recipe OTD. I can't wait to see you there. I'm Christine Pittman from Cook the Story com, the cookful.com, the all new chicken cookbook. And from this podcast recipe of the day, have a wonderful weekend. Let's get cooking.